0: Well, the title of my message today is Whose Image? Whose Image? And uh, in case you're, you're not familiar, or maybe this is the first time you, you've been here, uh, or first time you've been here in a little while, uh, if you want to follow along with some of the scripture that we use in our messages, uh, with any announcements or that type of thing, you can do that on your phone right in the Bible app. So if you've got the Bible app on your phone, you can pull that up. And follow along with uh, the message and everything that's going on. I think she's got a slide she can put up there for us uh, to show you how to do that. Right at the bottom of the Bible app, there's a button that says more. And then there's a, it'll bring you to another page and you can click on the button that says events. And uh, look, right there, it'll pull up right where you're at. It'll show Calvary Tabernacle. You can click on that and that'll get you right to this morning's service. So you can follow along. You can take notes. You can read the Word of God right there from your phone. Uh, so we want to let you know that that's available if you'd like to do that. But whose image? Whose image? What if, for, for just a moment this morning, what if possibly, and I'm just I'm throwing this out there, I'm just throwing it out there, okay? So just hang on with me. for What if maybe there's a slight chance, what if the world that you live in and the life that you live, just what if it's not about you? Just what if? Just throwing that out there, just let that dance around in your mind for just a minute. Just what if the life that you live is not about you? And I, I want to talk about this today because I think it's a good reminder for us believers. It, it'll, it will help ground us in the truth of God's word, that we were created for more than just ourselves. And we talked uh, several weeks ago, last time I preached, I talked about having a mindset that's not just an earthly mindset, but having a kingdom mindset, a mindset geared towards eternity. And this is really, as I've been studying these things, it's really been affecting my heart And causing me to look at my life and my home and my situations that I go through on a daily basis and try to consider the bigger picture. Try to consider from God's perspective where I am in my life. So, what if the life that you live is not all about you? What if you were made for a bigger purpose? For a bigger purpose. Can I say this to you today? And I, I believe that there's probably somebody in here that really needs to hear this today. You were made on purpose for a purpose. You are not here sitting, living, breathing, walking, standing, eating, talking today in 2023 for some random reason. You were created on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this I think a lot of times we can we can get stuck in a rut of daily living <laughs> just just going through just going through the motions we we've, we've got our routines we've got our alarm clocks We've got our uh, our favorite TV shows that that premiere on a certain day of the week. We've we've got our hobbies and our interests. That like right now, my family is in baseball mode. We're in baseball mode. We're gearing up. We've got a tournament coming up this weekend for my oldest son Jack. We are in baseball mode, and that's our spring. Every spring, we just get into baseball mode, and and then every winter, you know, we're getting ready for Christmas, and we're we're in the mode of the winter season. I'm I'm a hunter. I love to hunt, so we're getting the hunting mode, and and you know, every season brings its own uh, different. Things that we enjoy in life and things that we're responsible to do. And I think a lot of times we can just kind of get stuck in a rut. Have any of y'all ever driven down 59 headed this way or up 59 headed this way to church whenever it's raining really hard? And right before you get over here to, to turn on to, uh, what was this 2327? Right before you get here to turn, that 59 has two big old ruts. And if it rains, those ruts fill with water. And as you're merging over to get into the turning lane to turn right over here onto this road, if you're not careful and if you don't do it just right, it would be really easy to hydroplane right there. Because those ruts fill with water. And sometimes it's hard as you're trying to get out of those ruts whenever there's a lot of rain. Your car just wants to stay right there. It doesn't want to get... Out, and I feel like sometimes that's the way our life feels like we just get in a rut and we're just headed the same direction because we're, we've trained our minds to think a certain way. And how many of y'all know that after a long time of doing the same thing, you can get tired, and discouraged, and your mental capacity just you, you just feel. So bogged down and so weighted down with, with the cares of life and the things of this world, and, and you can begin to, to feel depressed, and begin to feel anxious because you're just going through the ruts. Can I give you some hope this morning? Can I encourage your heart this morning? You were made on purpose for a purpose. On purpose for a purpose. Here's the thing. And a lot of times life, it will, let me put it this way. Our culture nowadays will tell us this. You know, if you feel like you're in a rut, if you feel like you're, you're depressed or anxious, you need to find yourself. You need to find yourself. Right? You, you need to um, You need to search for and find, figure out who you are, why you're here, why you were made. And then there's another bit of advice we hear a lot in our culture. You need to be true to yourself. Can I tell you today, that's some really terrible advice. That is bad advice. Because what happens is if you go through your life trying to find yourself, whatever that means, you're going to end up thinking, okay, well, if, I, if I'm going to know who I am, I've got to know what my desires are. If I'm, if I'm going to figure out who I am in this life, I've got to figure out what my desires are in this life. And, and we tend to try to follow our own desires, but can I tell you, if you're just trying to follow your own desires, you're going to end up a very selfish person. How many of you all love to be around someone who's selfish? Nobody. Nobody raised their hand because <laughs> no one wants to be around Anyone that's selfish, can I give you some advice that might be a little bit better than find yourself or be true to yourself? You need to understand that you are made on purpose and for a purpose. And if we're living our lives trying to just find out who we are or follow our own desires or our own path or our own ruts and routines in life, look at what Jeremiah chapter 17 says about this. Verse nine, God tells us the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Wow. The world, our culture is saying, be true to yourself. And God is like, hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, hold on a second. You can't really follow your heart because your heart's wicked. Desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? Wow. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, puts it this way. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. No big deal. (laughs) No, don't worry about it. You're fine. You're fine. Just keep on that path that you've chosen, right? Well, no. I think we need to understand our purpose, and we need to live our purpose. Come on, church, come on. So what if you're here for more than just yourself? Here's point number one. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. Can you look at someone you're sitting beside real quick and just tell them, you have a purpose There's not one single person in this room that does not have a purpose. You have a purpose. And to find our purpose, I think it's best to go back to the very beginning. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read just one verse right here, verse 27. You can turn there if you want, but we'll put it up on the screen for you. It says, so God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God He created them, male and female. He created them. Listen, your purpose is built into the way that God made you. You were made in the image of God. So what is our purpose, church? What is your purpose as an individual? It's to reflect the image of God. Wherever you are. You may feel like you're stuck in a rut at work just going through the same things. Guess what? If we would learn to fill our mind with this mentality that we are made to be image reflectors, image bearers, image carriers of God, then even if you're going through just ruts at work, if you keep that mentality, all of a sudden your life gets a little spicier, right? Does anybody in here like to eat steak? I love steaks. I'm not a vegetarian. I will admit that. The other day, Emily made a a vegetarian lasagna, and it was delicious. No, no, it was good. It was good. It was good. I had my my brother and my sister-in-law and their son over to eat with us, and it was just kind of one of those things, like, oh, we've got this vegetarian lasagna here, and, and we're all looking around, like, but where's the meat, like? I didn't realize you could have a meal without meat. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed kind of straight. And it was delicious. It was good. We, we enjoyed it. We really did. Uh, but there was just that weird moment, like, we don't have all of the elements here, right? How many of you have ever had a steak and you're like, this steak is trash? Anybody? <laughs> you taste it, you're like, this is bland. It's got no flavor. And uh, I, I've talked to Kelly, he, he tells me he makes amazing steaks, but I've never uh, had a chance to try one. But uh, he tells me this, if you have a good steak, you don't need sauce. You don't need a steak sauce if you have a good steak, right? You've got, a good, you've got to get a good grade of steak, it's got to be cooked just right, it's got to be seasoned just right, and if it's done well, you don't need a sauce on that steak, because it's delicious, it's beautiful the way it is, right? Right? I feel like so many of us are, are going through our lives just eating bland steak, something that's not flavorful. Can I tell you this? If you live your life with the mentality that I am here for a purpose today in front of my coworkers or in front of my, uh, my uh, fellow students or, or wherever you happen to be in life, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're in front of your kids, wherever you happen to be, if you keep the mentality that, hey, I am here for a purpose right now. I can reflect the image of God right now. Let me tell you what, it's like you just put a whole lot of good flavor in on a steak. You might be having a steak again, right? But it's going to be good. It's going to add a little bit of spice to your life. Listen, church, we have been made on purpose for a purpose. You have a purpose, and that purpose is to carry the image of God. It's to carry the image of God. Dalton, would you mind helping me out real quick? And I want to say this because I think a lot of times, Christians, we, we waste so much time following culture and following, can I, can I say this, following politics and following relationships and following all these different things that really what we've done is we've made a habit of reflecting the image of our culture. Reflecting the image of our work. Reflecting the image of our spouse. Reflecting the image of our political ideas or preferences. We, we've come to reflect all of these things. Can I, can I build a foundation again this morning? Your purpose is to reflect the image of God to all creation. To all creation. So, we've got a mirror here. I went and got us a mirror to, to help us understand this maybe a little bit better. Your purpose, pretend like you right here are, are Dalton. This is my friend Dalton. And pretend for just a moment that, that I'm Jesus, okay? Your purpose is to reflect Jesus to the rest of creation, So your job in life, no matter whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, no matter where you are, your job is to reflect the image of God to all creation. And here's the thing, there's there's a good way to do this and a bad way to do this. A bad way to do this is to uh, get distracted By culture, get distracted by people, get distracted by things, and what are you doing? You're reflecting culture, you're reflecting people, you're reflecting things. But if you would follow Jesus, if you would set your sight on Jesus, and wherever Jesus goes, if you would follow him, positioning yourself just right, then what's going to happen is you're going to see the reflection of God in that person. Can I, can I put it to you this way? Your purpose is to reflect the image of God to all creation. So that whenever people look at you, they don't actually see you. Who do they see? They see God. And no matter where God takes you in life, your job is to follow Your job is to reflect. Your job is to be that reflection to the world. So that whenever they look at you, they're not just seeing some version of you. They're not just seeing some idea about you. You're not just projecting your own thoughts or opinions or images. You're reflecting the image of Christ to all creation. Thank you, Dalton. I appreciate that. Someone say, I have a purpose. I have a purpose your purpose is to reflect the image of God. So how do we do that? Matthew chapter 16 he tells us. Verse 24 says then Jesus said to his disciples if any of you wants to be my follower you If any one of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. Do you want to know how to be an image bearer of Christ? you got to take off your own way. You've got to give... <laughs> Can I be real with you for just a second? Let's have a sit down and talk real quick. As believers... We have got to get it through our heads. I've got to remind myself this all the time. My job in life is not to reflect my ideas or opinions. My job is to reflect God's word to all creation. My job is to reflect the image of Christ to all creation. And this might be a kick in the pants for somebody this morning, but I feel like we've done a... a, a, an adequate job at that, but we get really tied up with, can I be real? Can I preach to modern-day America? We get really tied up with political ideology, and we forget that we as believers have to take our opinions from the Word of God. Can I tell you, listen, and I'm, I'm saying it's on both sides of the aisle. I'm not... I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to point anybody out. What I'm saying is this. Your purpose is to reflect God, not culture, God. There are things that are popular in, in, in ideology today in American culture. They're, they're popular. It's the popular way to go. And, and you can build your stance and your argument, and, and you can listen to your, your favorite people and, and, and think like, like a certain person. Can I tell you? We've got to stop that, church. We've got to look at the Word of God. This is what we are called to reflect. This is the purpose that we have been given, to reflect the image of God. We've got to get it in our minds. I've got to give up my own way. I, I may want to think this way. I may want to identify with this certain way of thinking, but I've got to remember, I've got my roots. I've got to set my roots down in the Word of God. I've got to position myself just right so that whenever people see me, they don't see a political idea. Ooh. They see Jesus. They see Jesus. What would happen if the church decided, hey, we're not going to look at things from a political perspective anymore. We're going to look at things from the Word of God. Wow. I'm sorry. I know that might hurt somebody's toes this morning, but I think we've got to remember this. Our purpose, the reason why we get in ruts is because we try, we, we've trained our brains to think like someone else, <laughs> but our purpose is to reflect the image of God. So what does it mean? This is Jesus' three-step process to finding ourselves, if we want to use that. He says, give up your own way. That means give up your ideas, give up your motives, give up your preferences of the way things are done, give up your pride, give up your longing to be first. Give up your own way. Step number two is take up your cross. Learn how to identify with what Christ has done on the cross for you. That should be our new identification. If you're going to self-identify as anything, let it be as a follower of Christ. Someone who's willing to lay down their pride and their selfish way of thinking and pick up the cross of Christ and say, this is what I'm going to reflect. This is what I'm going to carry. This is what the world is going to look at me and know me for. The cross of Christ. And his third step right here is, is follow Jesus. Be humble and submissive to his way of doing things. Be willing to follow him to places where your logic says, ah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, a.k.a. faith, walk in faith, follow Jesus by faith. And as I spoke a couple of weeks ago, be willing to take a worldly loss in order to gain an eternal benefit. Sometimes I think our minds can be so set on a piece of paper or a piece of metal that says in God we trust but if we're being real with ourselves for a lot of us our heart's motto is is in this paper we trust or in this coin we trust. We've got to learn whose image we were created in. Number 1, you have a purpose. Here's number 2. My purpose is not a curse. My purpose is not a curse. Wow. Hmm. I want to redeem for just a moment this idea of being human. Being human. How many of you have ever heard someone say something along the lines of, well, I don't know what they expect of me. I'm only human. What do you mean only human? Human. What is a human? A human is an image bearer of Christ. A human is the, the, the people, the race, the, it's, it's the God's chosen vessel to reflect his image to the rest of creation. What do you mean only human? I think we've, we've got this idea in our minds, and, and if I can be honest, a little bit honest, I think we've, we've adopted this idea from the church. That being human is to be sinful. I'm just human. Can't help it. I'm just human. But can I remind you that before sin entered in the world, there were humans. I think we've got this idea that being human is almost a curse, like uh, almost a punishment from God. Like God has has been upset with us, so he just made us humans, right? Right? No, 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 no. The fact that you're human is a privilege and a blessing. Why? Because a human is a person that carries the image of God. Let me, let's try to help that sink in. Sister Patsy, you were made in the image of God. It's a privilege for me. To know that I can carry God's image everywhere I go. That whenever people see me, they don't have to see Sam Wisdom. They can see God himself. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm God. I look like God. No, I get to carry his representation, though. I get to mm, I get to carry his authority. Why? Because he's given me the opportunity to. I get to walk with that authority, why? Because he's put his Holy Spirit in me. Not only am I a carrier of his image, but I'm a carrier of his presence. Church, it's a blessing to be human. It's not a curse, it's a blessing. And I, I wanna prove that to you this morning because I, I think this is an idea that, that we've, really, uh, we've really gotten away from. Colossians chapter one, verse 15 Paul tells the church in Colossae, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Christ is what? The visible what? Image of the invisible God. Well, I I thought we were too. I, I thought we were made in the image." Of God you know one of the things that Jesus came for was to show us who we really are mmm he came to show us how to be human again let me put it to you this way you can, if you're taking notes write this down Jesus didn't show us a new way to be human he showed us the true way to be human you were created in the image of God. Your purpose is to reflect that image to all creation. John chapter 12, verse 45, this is what Jesus said. He says, for when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. Wow, that's beautiful. He didn't show us a new way of being human. He showed us the true way of being human. So what does that mean? It, it means that Jesus showed us how to carry the image of God again. How to carry the image of God to all creation. And before you're like, well, hang on just a second, Pastor Sam, like, I know Jesus was human, but Jesus was also God. Fully human and fully God. Have you ever taken the time to think about that for just a moment about Jesus? Like, Have you ever tried to wrestle that in your brain? Jesus was fully God and fully human. Like, how does that work? If you're like me, then you probably thought of it a little bit like this. Like, whenever God came and took on flesh and blood in the person of Jesus Christ, he was human, he was born of a woman, sure, but... Maybe he was cheating it a little bit. You know, maybe he was cheating the system. Like, I, this is the way kind of I thought of it. Like, it would be like Luka Doncic, who plays for the Mavericks, Dallas Mavericks. It would be like him trying out for the Queen City 8th grade basketball team. In case you don't know, in case you're not familiar with who the Dallas Mavericks are, that is a professional basketball organization. He is one of the best athletes in the world. Imagine him coming to Queen City and he's like, hey, uh, coach, I wanted to try out for the eighth grade team. And coach is like, nah, I don't know. We'll put you on the B team. Yeah, Luca Doncic, you win in every game. You're not going to lose again. (laughs) Think about it like this. Anybody in here like classical music? One, two, okay, three, four, all right. (laughs) It'd be like Mozart going to Atlanta high school. Say, I would like to try out on the flute for the Atlanta band. I'm talking about Mozart, one of the greatest musicians of all time. (laughs) Think about it like this. It'd be like Chris Pratt. Anybody know who Chris Pratt is? Famous actor. It'd be like him going and trying out for an elementary school play. Like, of course, if you got Chris Pratt, and you've got little Jimmy, and they're both trying out for the same role, you're going to go with Chris Pratt, right? Like, this guy is, is an incredible actor. And I think we've thought of Jesus kind of like that. Like, he was human, sure. But I mean, he was God, so it must have been easy for him, right? Like, there, there must not have been any difficulty in being human, because he was fully God. But Paul tells us in the book of Philippians that Jesus didn't count his godliness is something to hold on to. His divine abilities is something to grasp. But he laid it all down, becoming fully human. Fully human. And if you don't believe me, check this out. In Matthew chapter 14, it tells us of Jesus' cousin. Anybody remember his cousin's name? John. John the Baptizer. John the Baptist, maybe some of you call him. John was a, uh, he, he loved God with all of his heart. In fact, Jesus said of, of everyone that's ever lived, John is, is the greatest. That's well, a pretty big compliment right there coming from Jesus, right? He had a lot of good things to say about his cousin John. But John, uh, he wasn't afraid of nobody. And he went to King Herod and told him, hey, King, listen. Uh, you're sleeping with your sister-in-law, and that's not good. And so Herod had him thrown into prison. And later on, his sister-in-law, now his wife, tricks King Herod into having John's head cut off. In uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 10, it says, So John was beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. That's disgusting. And later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and they told Jesus what had happened. Look at verse 13. I want to show you the humanity of Jesus. Are you ready? As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area. Why? To be alone. If you had a dear friend or a dear family member who was brutally executed, you'd probably want some alone time too. Sort through all the emotions and sort through everything that's going on in your life and in your family. I'm the kind of person, I can be alone for extended periods of time and I'm fine with that. I know some people that have probably never been alone in their life. Jesus was one of those. He, he, he loved to be around people, but real life affected him. Human life affected him. He had to go away and be alone. Look at this in Luke chapter 4. It shows us again the humanity of Jesus. It says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing. All that time, and I love how Luke, the doctor, he gives us his professional diagnosis of Jesus being in the wilderness for forty days without food. Uh, This is what he says: He became very hungry. Like, thank you, Doctor Luke. (laughs) Glad you uh, gave us that uh, that example of what happens to the human body whenever you don't eat. You become very hungry. I don't know if you've ever gone an extended amount of time without eating. But your body starts to tell you, you got to put something in me. you got to get something in your mouth and down your gullet, and you got to feed me. <laughs> and the, Luke is telling us this. Jesus went 40 days without food, and I love that he included this right here because I think so many of us think of Jesus as being so far heavenly that he was never affected by human things. But I love that Luke put this in here and said this. Oh, by the way, he was very hungry, Like, go figure, (laughs) right? He was very hungry. Matthew chapter 21, this is a separate instance, uh, but again, it has to do with food. Uh, It says, in the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. And he went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again and immediately some will say immediately the free the fig tree withered up and the disciples were amazed <gasps> how did the fig tree wither so quickly can you be can you imagine being with jesus you're you're walking along the road to jerusalem by the way jesus didn't float 6 inches off the ground just Whoa! He walked just like everybody else with his own two feet on a dusty road all the way to Jerusalem. He's getting hungry. He's like, man, Jerusalem's still three miles away. I am hungry. And he looks beside the road, and he sees a fig tree. And he's like, oh, hey, guys, come over here. There's a fig tree. And he starts looking around and and moving the leaves, and he's going all around it, you know, looking. And there's no figs on the tree. What does Jesus do? Fierce you, fig tree! May you never bear fruit again. I was so hungry, so much hope, and no fruit. And that fig tree goes. And this happens to like, we got to get Jesus something to eat. <laughs> like <laughs> he is hungry. <laughs> I love this. Can you not see the humanity of, of Jesus in this? I think for so many of us in the church, especially those of us that have been in the church for a long time, we tend to think that you know, Jesus is just so, so you know, proper and just elegant and you know, head in the clouds kind of thing. Can I remind you that he submitted himself to be fully human, fully human, just like you and me? I don't know if you've ever read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels in the Bible, uh, but there are over 14 different times that it tells us that Jesus ate. Jesus was eating all the time. Uh, He he went to the wedding feast in Cana, where he turned the water into wine. Uh, He went to Matthew's house and ate there. He went to Simon the Pharisee's house, not his disciple Simon, but Simon the Pharisee's house and ate there. He went to Mary and Martha's house, we know more than once and ate there. Uh, it tells us that he went to the house of a certain Pharisee. Doesn't give us his name, but he ate there too. He went to the house of one of the chief Pharisees. He ate at a lot of Pharisees' homes. That's really interesting to me. He went to the house of Simon the leper and ate food from a, a formerly leprous person's home. Uh, he had the last supper with his disciples. Uh, like Jesus is like, hey, I'm about to go to the cross, but before I do, let's eat something. <laughs> Um, and then after his resurrection, it tells us that he met along the road to Emmaus, two of his disciples, two men. And he, he talked with them on the road to Emmaus. And what did they do? As soon as they get to the house, what are they doing? They're breaking bread, and they're, they're eating again. And as soon as Jesus breaks the bread, like, they realize, oh, this is Jesus. We've been with Jesus the whole time. And, and the Bible tells us Jesus just, poof, he just is gone. He just disappears. And so the two disciples are like, we got to go back to Jerusalem and tell everybody what happened. They run back to Jerusalem at that hour is what my Bible tells us. That very moment, they they go right back. It's around five to seven miles away. They go right back. So I can imagine maybe it it took them two hours, you know, if they're walking at a, a halfway decent pace. They get back to Jerusalem where all the disciples are gathered. They're talking to the disciples, hey, Jesus, he's alive, he's alive. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and what does he do? He says, hello, do you have anything to eat? Those are his words. Shalom. got anything to eat? So they gave him some fish, and he sits there and eats fish, and they're all just looking at him like, is this Jesus? He was dead. Now he's alive. And I can imagine Jesus, like he went to Emmaus and ate, and then he goes to Jerusalem and eats again less than probably two hours later. Why? Because I imagine if you're dead for three days, you get kind of hungry, right? He was very much human. Soon after this, he goes out on the beach with his disciples, and they catch 153 fish. And what does Jesus do? He cooks them breakfast. Jesus was human, just like you and me. Let me, because let me, this might shatter some of our theology, too. Even resurrected Jesus ate food. After the resurrection, we, we tend to think that after the resurrection, Jesus just entered into this most glorified body where he would never need. Listen, after the resurrection, he still had nail scars in his hands and feet. He still had a big, nasty wound, or maybe it was a healed up, but a closed up wound anyway in his side from a spear. He tells them, Hey, look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. The resurrected Jesus, still, let me tell you, let me maybe throw off some of your theology, is still human. Still human. What does that tell me? I've got hope. I've got a future. Not just one day in heaven, but right now in this earthly body. I've got hope in the future. Why? Because my God chose to make himself like me, to live like me. If that doesn't convince you, let me show you one more verse. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to this because you might want to highlight some of it. Hebrews chapter 2. Again, I think we've got this idea that, you know, we were made in the image of God, but, you know, what does that really mean? Like, I don't know how to take that. Like, if I do something bad, I'm not reflecting that image well. If I do something good, then maybe I'm reflecting it a little bit better, right? But I'm only human. Like, what can I do? I'm only human. But let me show you what Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says. Is because God's children are human beings, we are His children, <laughs> human beings, made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could He die. Have you ever thought about that before? How does an immortal God die? Well, He had to become human, just like me. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Verse 15. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help who? The descendants of Abraham. In case you haven't read the Old Testament in a while. Abraham was a human. And we are his descendants. Therefore, it was necessary for him, listen to this, therefore it was necessary, necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. Wow. His brothers and sisters, why? so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Only by becoming human could God die for our sins. So that he could show us what it means to truly be human again. Can I tell you this? We we, we talk about whenever we die, you know, our glorified bodies. Listen, this is is my opinion just from what I've read in Scripture. Maybe you've got a different opinion. If you do, I would love to hear it sometime. But I believe that after we die, we're still going to be human. We're going to have... We we You know that we have spirits, right? Yeah, everyone understands that. We live in a physical world, but we are spiritual beings that we've been given this body here. But I believe, too, that whenever we die, we're going to be human again with the spiritual being again inside of us. Why? Because he said, I'm going to give you new bodies. What? New what? what? What are we talking about here? I mean... I think so many of us just have this idea that we're just going to be these wispy spirits just floating around someday. But if you read about heaven, if you read what's going on there, we, in Sunday school this morning, we read through the first six chapters of, of the book of Revelation. And I don't know if you've ever read the book of Revelation before. Uh, but it talks about some pretty crazy looking creatures with eyes on their wings. <laughs> and, I mean, they they look pretty Pretty crazy at least the description tells us they've got bodies right we know that jesus after his resurrection still had a body right so why would we think that we're just going to go floating around something like we're going to have bodies they're going to be new bodies they're going to be good bodies let me tell you that but we're going to still be the ones that god made us to be god created you on purpose for a purpose and that purpose doesn't change once you, you have a resurrected body in heaven. We are still to be the image bearers of God. Wow. The Bible tells us that we will testify to angels about God. <laughs> My goodness. That's some good stuff. But Jesus became human just like you and I are human and showed us again how to reflect God's image to the world. Here's my last point. My purpose is for the present. It's for the present. It's for right now. If the worship team would come on up. Our purpose isn't just someday for heaven. Can I say that again? Your purpose doesn't happen some, one day when you get to heaven. Your purpose Is for right now. Right now. Check this out in Matthew chapter 22, verse 15. It says the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. They sent some of the disciples along with the supporters of Herod to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully. You are impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us, what do you think about this? Is it right to pay taxes? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And listen, this is what's happening. The Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, are teaming up with the Romans, the Hellenists, they're coming together, mortal enemies. They have been for, for forever. They're coming together, teaming up to try to trap Jesus. Because Jesus, not only has he made the Pharisees mad with his teaching, but the Romans just didn't like Jews anyway. So they're like, hey, we can get rid of this guy. And so they team up, and they, they come up with a question. They're like, oh, we're going to trap him. We're going to get him this time. We're going we're to get him. This is, this is our chance. Hey, Jesus. Uh, You're a good guy. We really like you. Uh, You you teach the word of God truthfully. Oh, it's so good. You're teaching Jesus. Oh, it's so good. trying to flatter him. They're trying to butter him up. They're trying to bait him. And then they flip the switch and they say, well, tell us, Jesus, since, since your teaching is so wonderful, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Because this was the Jews' belief that if you paid taxes willingly or if you paid taxes because you wanted to, as a Jew, what you were saying, at least in their imagination, was, I am loyal to Caesar. Caesar is my authority, he's my covering, he's my head. And by doing that, what you're saying is, God is not, he's not my authority. That's what the Jews believed. If you're paying taxes to Caesar willingly, then what you're saying is, he's my authority, not God. Woo, that's not a good thing if you're a Jew. But if Jesus says, no, we should not pay taxes to Caesar, if he agrees with these Jews and says, no, then what has he done? He's made himself an enemy of Rome, and the Jews are like, ha, washed our hands clean of this guy. Y'all come take him away, throw him in prison. We got this guy stirring up people all around Jerusalem here and telling them that they don't have to pay taxes. Y'all need to get rid of this dude. So they put him in a corner! Or at least they thought they put him in a corner. What does Jesus say? Verse 18 says, Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. What did he call them? Hypocrites? What's that? What's that? Someone who says one thing, but then they do another. You hypocrites. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose image? whose image is on the coin? Whose picture and inscription are stamped on it? Whose image? Whose image? Whose image? Whose image? Whose image? They said, well, it's Caesar's. Jesus says, well, then it belongs to Caesar. Give it to him. but give to God what belongs to God. What does he say in there, church? Whose image? Whose image are you stamped with? He's talking to the Jewish Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites. You're saying you shouldn't pay taxes, but if I'm looking at this situation correctly, you're more concerned with this than with him. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. You belong as a human being. Can I tell you this? If you are in this room today and you are a living, breathing human being, you belong to God. That's where you belong. So he says this, so give what belongs to God to God. He's saying this, you need to know whose image you were stamped on or whose image was stamped on you. It's the very image of God. And in typical fashion, the religious leaders, they went away mad. The Hellenists, they went away mad. Why? Because Jesus was wise enough to see through that trap and to not (laughs) Not only did he answer their question, but he turned it around on both of them, and they both realized, oh man, who am I loyal to? Where do my loyalties lie? What am I here for? What's my purpose? Why, was, why am I created? All of that with one simple question, whose image is on it? Show me the coin, show me your life, show me your heart, whose image is stamped on it. This is what he's saying right here. The purpose that you have been created for is an eternal purpose, but it's to be lived out starting right now. Right now. The image of God is stamped on your life right now. What are you doing with it? Are you stewarding it properly? Are you spending it wisely? Are you representing it fully and well whose image are you representing whose image have you been carrying around listen you are made for a purpose your purpose is not a curse and your purpose is made for right now look at what David says in Psalm chapter 27 verse 13 he says yet I am confident someone say confident I love David I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. I am confident I will see God's goodness, not someday whenever I die and my body is resurrected to heaven. I am confident that I will see his goodness right now. I was created for eternity and eternity starts right now. Your purpose is, Isn't one day. Can I? I want to encourage you today. Your purpose is not for one day. Your purpose is right now. Right now. I want to read one more verse of scripture and then we're going to stand and pray and worship. Second Corinthians chapter five, Paul talks to the believers in Corinth. Verse 20, he says this So we, believers, are Christ's ambassadors, his representatives, his image bearers. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In chapter 6 verse 1 says, as God's partner, someone say partner. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. You've been stamped with God's image, don't ignore that. That was an incredibly kind thing that he did. Not only that, but he went to the cross, he became human and went to the cross to show us again how to truly be human, how to carry that image. Don't accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, this is what Paul is saying, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Right now. Would you stand to your feet? I think it's easy to feel like you're an autopilot and you're just drifting through life and going through the routine. Can I encourage you this week to shake that up? Shake it up. Shake it up a little bit. Shake it up in your home with your family. Shake it up at work with your coworkers or your employees. Shake it up in your schools, your colleges, your middle schools, your high schools. Shake it up in Walmart. Shake it up at the gas station while you're pumping your gas. What do I mean by that? I mean, you're an image bearer of Christ. You carry, you represent, you are the ambassador. Do y'all know what an ambassador is? It's someone who represents, in our country at least, someone who represents the president in a foreign country. And in that foreign country, that ambassador, everywhere he goes, it's law, everywhere he goes, It's called diplomatic immunity. Everywhere he goes, the land that he steps on temporarily becomes the property of the United States of America. If he is to commit any crime in whatever country he is representing or she is representing as an ambassador, if they are to commit any crime, they won't be tried according to the laws of the country that they are in. They will be tried according to the laws of the United States government. Because everywhere they go, they are a a representation of the president holding the full authority of the president of the United States in that country that they are an ambassador to. Whenever they speak, the ambassador's words are just as if the president spoke. If the president was standing there speaking, when the ambassador speaks, it carries that same weight and that same authority to the country that he is an an official representation of. I love that Paul uses this analogy. We are Christ's ambassadors. That means your purpose doesn't start One day in the homeland that we belong to, your purpose starts in the foreign land that we're living in right now. You get to carry the anointing. You get to carry the Holy Spirit to a generation, to a people that don't yet know God. You get to represent God to a lost and dying world. Wow. And that purpose doesn't start when you get in heaven. I think it might be a little past the point of the purpose by then. Purpose starts now. Represent the image of God now in the land of the living. And I am confident, as David was, that we will see the goodness of God right here in the land of the living as Christ's ambassadors. When we walk out our responsibilities as representatives of Christ, we're going to see some incredible things happen, church. So can we do this as we get ready to pray, as we get ready to worship? Can you close your eyes for just a moment And I want you to ask yourself this question. Or better yet, ask the Holy Spirit. Just say this little prayer in your heart. Holy Spirit, now that I know what my purpose is in life, would you show me one thing that I should change in my life this week so that I can better carry your image? Holy Spirit, now that I know what my purpose is, show me one thing that I should change in my life this week so that I can better carry and represent the image of God to those that are around me. In Jesus' name.